Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouts and Tommies on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reid and we're now finally, finally, finally on the eve of a new season. The summer's over. Well, the football summer's over. Um, the transfer window's still open. Liverpool play Chelsea at the weekend. And, well, Jay, it sounds like we're having a bit of a, a game with Chelsea even before the game itself because, um, I mean, when we when we spoke yesterday to say we'll do this podcast today nothing was really happening there was no progress in Liverpool it's like all the transfer committee had sort of gone on their holidays and it was like looking a bit worrying to be quite honest then that changed overnight there was news of a player coming in for a massive amount of money Klopp's even spoken about him today and as we speak now of course it could change by the time you hear this but as we speak now um, it's looking like it's off because well we got into a bidding war with Chelsea won the bidding war but maybe they're going to come back with another bid. Yeah, it's the biggest game of transfer okey-cokey. Um, they, they say a week's a long time in football. You have, you have to name managers, don't you reference that um, from like game to game, but 24 hours can be a long time as well, or 48 hours if you go from the absolute meltdown um, of the Lavia situation, which we can get to later on. Um, and obviously... It basically set alight the, the brigade of FSG out and I think myself included I've got to the point where we were kind of becoming enough is enough and can we actually compete at the top level we didn't doesn't look like we financially can and then all of a sudden 24 hours later we're slapping down a, a British record transfer fee for 111 million quid for Caicedo uh, it's it's bizarre like you he, he, he can't keep up and as I said before, the, the the AI Discord chat, I'm going to cut the grass and who knows what will happen in the next hour or so that it's who's cut the grass. He probably has signed for us twice and we signed for Chelsea again. Because um, you just you just don't know. There's that much going around. There's that much chatter on Twitter that, you know, 97% of it is fluff and bluster. Um, and no one knows exactly what's going on, but I think the facts were that we bid Klopp this morning in his press conference as we record this Friday afternoon said we've agreed a deal now Klopp doesn't speak on transfers unless you know he's got good authority on it so I'm sure he probably thought that it was a that it was a goer um, but as the days progressed it seems as though the agent um, and the player have dug their heels in or they've played Liverpool whatever way you want to dress it up and the chances are he probably ends up with Chelsea and the real winners and all this are, are Brighton because from the very beginning at the window they said 100 million was the price and it looks like they're going to get that and possibly more so yeah it's one of them it's kept everyone entertained I'm sure people who've followed it through the AI Discord chat if you are from there have probably charged the phone four times already today um, and yeah it's it's bizarre because the season literally starts in three and a half hours as as we speak with Burnley and Man City, but it feels like football is actually back at the window of what's actually going on in the current time. Yeah, it's it's just been like you say, we when we were I mean I was feeling pretty despondent. I just thought, what's going on? Um 
even to the point where you start thinking, you know, we've got like financial problems that we're keeping to ourselves because we've brought sort of 50, 60 million quid, whatever it is, um, in whatever form it is. It may not all be in one go or everything, but for two players that have gone, 50, 60 million come in. And we were already supposedly looking for players. We needed more, you know, and we were sort of penny pinching with Southampton. Um, yeah, I think we were sort of getting to a point where we were just like a few million quid away from the, the reported asking price. But then, um, I don't know, it just, overnight, this just blew me away. But then the twist yesterday was that Southampton were trying to sort of gag in on our bid, you know, for the player that we were sort of holding up on. But meanwhile, we we were doing this and trying to <laughs> gag in on their bid. But I think the thing that, that troubles me about this in a way, though, and it's just it's just a thing with football, it does happen. But the sort of narrative coming out is that the player, um, you know, Liverpool and, and Chelsea were basically in an auction. Liverpool won the auction in the end. They put the bid in that Brighton accepted. And until then... That player should not be talking to either club. You know, if you're following the rules, you're not supposed to talk to either club. We know it goes on. And then the narrative today was that the player had already decided in May that he wanted to speak to Chelsea, that he'd already done that. He'd already agreed personal terms. Now, how true that is, I don't know. But if that is true, um, there's two kind of parts to that. Number one is, if they've done it in the way that clubs do it now, where you kind of do it through the agents and you sort of do it on the hush-hush, why didn't we? Why didn't we get to know what his feelings were? Was he messing us about? Did he give us indications he was going to come to us or, or what? Um, and if if not, um, you know, have Chelsea done basically some tapping up? Is it is it legitimate for them to go and speak to him? Um, it just feels like we've been in the sort of been on the wrong side of this. Whatever's gone on, we've not either done what everyone else doesn't done the talking on the quiet, which I'm sure we've done before, or um, there's, there's some, you know, th- this player is basically conned us for want of a better word, and we don't know if it's true. But he's, you start to get to a point where you think, do do we really want him anyway? If he's that that way inclined, is he? He's going to do it to us now, and then say we sign him. Is it just going to be something he does to us in a couple of years when he fancies a move somewhere else? Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like the lad is very well managed. I think he's had issues, well, through his transfers from Ecuador to Brighton and then obviously Brighton to wherever he's going now. He was very close to joining Arsenal apparently in January didn't happen um, changed agents or whatever and the, the agents who he's got now something Sierra I think his name is not Ford um, but uh, he's a bit of a bit of a bad piece of business and you know one of our own Tony Evans has tweeted out earlier on today um, he had run good authority from someone at Brighton that this agent was trouble um, then another but a normal figure on um on, on the social media platform, Graham Kelly, who's done some good information in the past, basically said like this agent is is bad news and it kinda of does look like possibly we've been played by the agents and, and lured into the fact that there was a possibility to get him. Um, and maybe it was all a ploy for the player and the agent to get more cash out of Chelsea and you know, that they're foolish enough and frivolous enough with the cash that they don't really care. They, they'll do what they want, and you know, things hanging over the head like FFP doesn't really bother them, and they they'll flash the cash. It's whatever's, you know, the, the latest car on the market. Doesn't matter who the who the supplier is. They're going to buy it anyway. Like if you look at their squad turnover, it's it's outrageous. Like you couldn't couldn't realistically name their squad from one season to another because it it turns over that much. But 
it, it's a sad state of affairs because it looks, in all intents and purposes, this was the player that would have been the last piece of the midfield jigsaw starting eleven that we needed. Um, you know, we've we've got two in, but we all know we need more. Um, and what we need is someone who can, you know, win the ball back, cover across the pitch. You know, basically a, a hybrid Fabinho and and Warren Alden in. You know, we've we've said many a times we've never replaced Wijnaldum and what we lost as a player, and obviously we've lost Fabinho as well now. So this lad looked like a hybrid of the two that could basically cover the centre field of the pitch, where we've sort of changed shape and allowed Trent to basically do what he wants on the ball and and show his his talents. And you know, basically he was going to be the the security blanket in front of the the back line, but. I don't know. We are where we are, I guess. Are we back to square one? Because, you know, 48 hours ago, we probably didn't even think Taisaida was possible because, as you mentioned, it, it was all about the penny-pinching reds. And what we've done now is we've basically gone out there and just put all our dollars or pounds on the table and said, this is what we've got because that's what we bid it for Brighton. And I wouldn't be surprised now if I held to ransom for anyone else who we go for. No, and I actually, I actually think as well. I mean, we don't, we don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, you can't start hating players for not coming when you still don't know if they're going to come and stuff like that. It just feels a bit. I mean, I, I still have the attitude: if if a player wants to come to us and we offer him money, we we offer the money that the club wants for them. Um, we offer them, you know, a decent ways that puts them on a right level to, to compared to other players in the squad for whatever we think their ability is. If we do that and they come to us that's great we want them if we do that and they don't want us then fine you know we, we don't want players who are you know sort of only motivated by money I think I think there needs to be more to it than that and sometimes maybe a player will take a little bit less to come to us if, if they feel that we can deliver something more than maybe some other clubs could do um, and at the moment looking at the stuff that's been said like the, the stuff that different journalists are posting and stuff like that um, it, it's basically in my view, it's this thing in football that you've got agents who are trying to, um, as you've just said, squeeze the last penny out of either a club. Uh, you know, of either club, they'll get into bidding wars, they'll see what they can do, and they take a chance. Because, you know, if um, if either club decides they can't be bothered with this now, the whole thing could fall through and the player might not even get his move. Um, you know, there comes a point where everyone gets sick of waiting. So you're playing, a, you're playing a dangerous game in that way. But a lot of the stuff that's coming out feels to me that um, you know, it's going to be agents this this leaking information, trying to get this to play out a little bit in the press. And the way Liverpool have done this business is so quiet. We've literally not done it in the media. We've just stayed away. This was, you know, this was completely out of the blue that we were in for the player, let alone putting in such a bid. So I think there's, you know, there's still a lot more to be happening with this. We'll see. Um, I think what it does is it guarantees he's not going to be, well, it doesn't guarantee it, but it makes it less likely he's going to be seen in the stands in one or other executive box at the weekend um, but clearly this this again I think maybe we weren't even thinking of this at the start of the window and then Saudi came in and took two players for that money and now all of a sudden there's a bit more money in the budget what we don't know is is that was that just one of the was that our last bid was that our last transfer of the summer um, whether it goes ahead or not because if not, then surely if it doesn't go through, there's a lot of money, we can, a lot of stuff we can do with 110. Um, and then the other one that jumps out at me is if we'd had the money at the start of the summer and we knew we were going to get the money at the start of the summer, then maybe maybe Jude Bellingham would have been already training with us. Yeah, I think. Oh, I'll go backwards from that. The, the Jude Bellingham thing. Thanks for. Well, most of people out there think it's been Dave Hendrick as well. I'd put something together where it was like huge transfer fee plus wages over a five year deal was sort of like 300 million, roughly, give or take. You know, given, given what he's rumored to be on about, we would have been having to compete somewhere in the high echelons of wage bill um, compared to what roughly transfer fee in Caicedo would have been somewhere around like the 150 to 160 mark over five years, near of half. Um, the total cost and you know when you think of how we are run um, penny pinching or not you know we do try and run a tight ship and we've slashed the wage bill in what we've lost uh, especially if you look at the midfield alone you, 
you know, Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, Keita, Oxley, Chandler, you know, there's it's probably the best chunk of seven, six, seven hundred grand a week there off the wage bill. Uh, and what we brought in and some of us lying McAllister, you can pretty much say with all intents and purposes, no doubt that it's not seven hundred grand that's getting paid to those two lads, it's much less combined. Um so we would have been, you know, financially better off on the wage bill structure week to week had we even got case enough through the door. Yes, we probably could have also avoid uh, afford the Bellingham, but the logical answer, which we said many weeks ago, was you know, is one due Bellingham fixing all our problems? This was obviously before Fabinho and Henderson even went. Uh, the answer was no. It would have been, you know, one due Bellingham or two or three other lads that fitted into multiple positions and allowed us flexibility was the sensible and correct thing to do when that looked like the route we were going down um, in the early two signings and then obviously you add to that losing Fabinho Henderson it's only heightened the requirements what we need in there and I I, I wouldn't have thought that getting Caicedo would have been the last signing of our window I would have hoped and liked to have seen one more whether that be in midfield just for strength and depth of numbers or what I think we also need is a left-sided centre-back I think it's very evident that we can touch on what we've seen in the friendlies but we're too gung-ho if Trent is going to play a hybrid midfield role Andy Robertson yeah you can't make him into a left-sided centre-back it's just not going to work he's naturally a left-back slash wing-back you know you, you you can't tell a dog not to run when all its life it's been running in the field. Do you know what I mean? It's gonna, it's gonna want to carry on running and chasing that ball. Basically, um, you know, you can try and put it on a lead, but it'll still pull you like up and down the field. So, yeah, we're we're in need of a couple of pieces. Um, will we get them? I, I hope so. So we need to basically if if we want to get something successful of the season, we we do need to get at least one in midfield ideally two and you know to give ourselves a real good shot at competing for maximum trophies we probably could do with a more defensive minded left sided centre back left back role yeah that's that's the thing I think that's we, we something we said all summer I think it's something we were saying even as the season was sort of coming to a close and we were seeing Trent do this that um, if you're kind of playing permanent with three at the back you need you need three central defenders but the way we kind of do it you need somebody who's got that ability to to be a full back and a central defender and there aren't you know I think that that gives you a player that is firstly a centre back who can also play a left back rather than a left back who can kind of also play in the centre because that um, you know it's unusual I mean I know when he was dealing I mean Jamie Carragher played at left back and played at right back and eventually became a centre back but I think that was a he was a different kind of play. You wouldn't definitely you don't think he would even dream of putting himself in the same category of fullback as Trent or Robbo. Totally different kind of player, um, you know. And that's 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 the thing we need. We need a player who can who can be what we need them to be. Trying to get the right players. I just um, to be honest, I'm still I'm still stunned at the whole stuff from this morning and from overnight. And um, and I'm still I'm still convinced that this is um, you know th- there's no indication yet that Chelsea have actually put an improved bid in there's no signs yet that Liverpool have taken theirs away um, there's even talk that, that the player had actually agreed you know verbally terms with Liverpool you know obviously there's going to be some um, bits and pieces to, to iron out with all of that medicals need to be done and, and maybe how things are going to get paid needs to be done but you know lawyers can get that done in fact this is the, the other mad thing about it if this was like the last day of the window it's surprising how quickly things can get thrown through isn't it so if we need you know, I'm sure things will move on, but maybe we just need to move on for a bit from that because um, the season's starting this weekend and there's quite clearly no way that the squad is going to be improved before Sunday. I'm not sure what the actual deadline is to bring players into play Sunday, but you normally need, you know, you normally need 48 hours or something, don't you, to get all the clearance through and everything at this point in the season. So we start with what we've got. Um, and I think. Well, we said last time that there's confidence that we we can do something this season. We can build on last season. There's definitely some younger players who've stepped up. Maybe potentially going to be you know a year better on a year more towards being 
ready, if that's the right word. Um, and we've kind of got rid of a couple of the players, or more than a couple, a good few of the players who were a year older in the negative sense that they were now further away from their peaks. You know, they were further, you know, further into the decline. But, you know, I, I still feel that we, um, if, if this, if this transfer went through, there'd be loads of praise, but I, I'm still reserving the praise because really this should have all been sorted out. Um, as soon as we knew the two were going off to Saudi, we should have had deals lined up. And it feels that it feels like we're going to be sort of thrown in at the deep end. And the friendlies have been a bit mixed, and you can't really judge everything off pre-season friendlies. But you know, we we I think maybe the when when we played Bayern, you know, that maybe was the one that's maybe the closest to a test of what we're going to get this season. You know, a decent side, just just yeah, we scored against them, but they scored more, and it, we lost out in a seven-goal thriller, but. It just feels like the recipe's there for us to have another season like we did last, which is worrying because I don't know about you, I'm not ready for another one like that. No, it's it's not not filling you with great hope. I think we've scored something like twenty two, twenty three goals over pre season, over five friendlies, our goal difference is something like plus seven. Mm. Like it's not a recipe for success. Like yes, you might win a few games, but you're also going to lose in your fair few amounts of games as well. And what what was striking is like we've not kept a clean sheet. I don't think in any of our friendlies. After uh, we had the right to get one at the very beginning, um, but teams have been able to slice through us. And think back to the most recent friendly on Monday night against Darmstadt, who were an outfit who've just come up from the second German league into the Bundesliga. So you know you. You're being nice and maybe compare them to something like the level of Burnley mm-hmm. um, in, in in our current division, and three or four times in the first half they were through. Um, they got their goal, you know, the nice bit of play down the right hand side, and the ball clipped in, and it was basically one lad running right the way through the massive gap between. I think it was Canate and Trent, because um, Robbo was close up the field. Virgil had, had pressed into midfield and. Trent was trying to cover in as a as a right back and Kanate was covering across with Van Dyke and this lad just basically, you know, ran straight through the middle of the gap rather than Allison and took the goal away nicely. But there was two or three other instances in that game where, you know, a simple clip ball and a player and a team with better quality in the attacking third will put you to bed as Bayern Munich proved. You know, I didn't see the whole of the Bayern Munich game, I seen half of it, but it was it was a basketball game and such that it was, you know, a friendly and there's loads of goals, but the lads with quality like Sané and Gnabry, when they got on the ball in the final third, you know, they created chances, they scored goals and if we do want to actually have ambitions to compete, which should always be the the standard for Liverpool at every start of the season, whatever competition we're entering, whether it's your open league, Champions League or just, you know, your domestic cups and your actual bread and butter of the league. You go in there at the beginning of the season to win everything. Um, that's the bare minimum standard. You know, regardless of everything else that's going on, what's the point in playing football at the top level when the money that's involved and the prizes on offer if you're not actually wanting to win them? If you're just there to take part, then you're probably in it for the wrong reasons, in my opinion. But mm. we are undoubtedly short and undoubtedly far too open and it's a recipe that isn't going to give us too much success yes it might give us glory games you think back to last season of 7-0 Manchester United probably the highlight of everyone's season but that glossed over so many so many bad performances you know so many embarrassing performances that you'd be ashamed to you know go into work the next day and we've been hammered like by teams who we would consider nowhere near as good as us and played off the park multiple times and you'd, you'd think oh, oh, you can't even defend it because it's happening week on week and you get that feeling in the back of your mind that if we don't address certain issues it's going to be like that again where you know we, we play Chelsea this weekend we may go to Stamford Bridge and get a result but then we play Bournemouth next weekend at home at Anfield would it be a surprise if Bournemouth comes to Anfield and got a draw Absolutely not, because of the way we're playing at the moment. So you would like to, you know, nip that in the bud nice and early and 
had transfers have been done then you know maybe it had but I guess there's not a lot we can do as fans apart from voice our opinions but I don't think what we are going to be doing is reaching for any green and gold scarves and storming the stadium because we're not like that sort of crowd down the M62 but there is a lot more unrest at the moment with the fan base and this week has sort of escalated that so it's it's getting to a tense time really yeah it's mad isn't it like you were I don't know it's the, you were asking for something you know you're asking asking for a gift hoping to get a nice gift hoping to get um, the present that wasn't even like a sort of nice to have it was a it was a need to have to do what you want to do you know to be as successful as you want to be and you were thinking this you know like a 40-50 million pound gift would, would help sway things and make you feel a bit confident then they go out and try and you know promise you a 110 million quid gift something twice as much and then you have it taken away it's all a bit all a bit mixed up but you know I think um, I think I mean, the, the, it's, it's strange as well that, of who were playing on Sunday um, that they were sort of being linked with wrecking our, our bid yesterday and now we've been linked with wrecking their bid and stuff like that yeah it's all ahead of the game and um, just feels like as well there's a sort of little touch of it being that sort of plastic rivalry that we have with those you know the club that's fond of its plastic flags but um, I mean maybe maybe let's, let's have a look ahead to that game I mean Chelsea last season I mean we feel we had a bad time but they had an even worse one um, obviously they were reeling because their owner who'd um, obviously I'm sure stuck perfectly to financial per place throughout all his time got sanctioned he had to sell the club and then in came a new guy who just seems to be finding a bottomless pit of money to throw at the club and I can't help but think that some point or other financial fair play's got to kick in there because they, they can't keep spending that kind of money and not sort of have something to balance the books but maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe football doesn't care anymore but it's definitely a different Chelsea to the one that we that we played the last couple of times definitely different to the one that had Frank Lampard as manager um, and this manager they brought in from you know known best to people um, Premier League uh, followers I suppose is the Spurs boss for a bit but he's been off and done other things and now Pochettino's coming in how do you feel? Do you think this um, this is going to be a different Chelsea side, a more troublesome Chelsea side on Sunday? Because to me, it feels like last season they were just in the middle of turmoil and a lot of uncertainty and unrest and settling in with new owners. Probably a lot of unhappiness about the change going on behind the scenes. I'm sure a lot of people were in cushy roles that were no longer in those cushy roles and maybe new people came in, um, you know, and upset the apple cart. But, you know, a good few months on from all of that, they've had the summer, they've had some signings. Have we got reason to be worried about them this season? Are they definitely going to be a team we're fighting with to get into that top four and to stay in that top four? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, I think to say you answer that, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they can't be as bad, surely, <laughs> as what they were last year. Um, and Frank, he finished managing, didn't he? he a- I think he'd already gone to Everton by then, wasn't he? Was he the so-called manager last season? At the end of the season, did he go? He went back, and they, oh, of course, yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. After uh, Harry Potter's uh, friend left him, um, and, you know that, that was the the whole shenanigans. Like you know, Graham Potter was you know the the future of English coaching, and you know that fizzled out quicker than a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> um, but yeah, fast Frank. You know, if the if the evidence wasn't there that he was bad enough the first time, and that he almost took Everton down, you know, they rehired him. You know, because 
you know, a broken clock might be right twice a day, but Frank Lampard will still be shit. Um, but they can't be as bad, I don't think. Like the, they've got an actual manager, and now like whatever people say about Pochettino, he is he's a man with you know good credentials in the game. He knows what he's doing. Okay, he's he's been off and managed PSG, and that's a poison chalice of a job. So you know, I suppose he knows what he's doing when he's taking the Chelsea role, considering he's at PSG. Um, on a CV, but I couldn't tell you who their lineup will be because I don't know who they've signed. I don't know who they've lost. Um, you know, following the Liverpool transfer saga through the summer is bad enough. Without trying to follow Chelsea, you you know, sign players and loan players out, and you know, do all sorts of dealings on a daily basis. Um, but they, they will be better, and I think you know. From what I've sort of have read and seen, they've got a much sort of younger nucleus of a squad, and you know, new manager, few new players. You know, maybe just maybe we're going to get them at the right time. Okay, we've got to integrate a few new players, but the nucleus of our squad is generally there. You know, the keeper, and if we go as a as a back four, whether they line up and, and players are four, you know, we. Pretty much know it's going to be Allison, Trent, Canate, Virgil, Robertson. The likelihood is the front line will be Salah, probably Diaz, and one of Gakpo or Jota. And then in midfield, there's going to be two new lads, and maybe I another, whether it's Gakpo or whether it's Jones. You know, but we pretty much know what we're going to be rolling out with. It's sort of the midfield that's new, but we knew we needed that anyway. Um, and maybe we're going to get Chelsea at a good time where it's still a bit raw. Okay, Pochettino's been there a couple of months, but it takes time for things to integrate. And, you know, maybe in five, six weeks' time after the so called international break, and I think it's four game weeks or something like that, you know, that's what Klopp reference. That's the sort of end of pre season after the international break when you've sort of got your feet going in the first few games and then, you know, the season starts proper, then that's when you your match fit that's when you're ready to go that's when you know probably you'll start to see teams sort of settle into what the the lineups are and how they're how they're going to play so potentially we're getting them at a good time um, and you know everything that's gone on in the last 24 hours is only going to add extra spice to the game you know not that their their atmosphere can be you know much livelier than chanting Chelsea repetitively for 90 minutes while waving a few blue bits of plastic in the air for the for the opening ceremony but it will it will sort of give you know a little bit of extra to the game and you know like I say you know won't be there in any sort of realm of on the pitch you might be in the stand for for one team one other likely to be the team in blue but I I think we we go there positively and I, I would be confident of getting a good result out this weekend because I just feel as though we we're a bit more settled than what they are overall and and that should hopefully. Result in a, in a positive result, given that you know we could concede goals, but we know we can score them. That's what pre seasons brilliant. We can we can score goals and we can spread them around. So fingers crossed. That's that's a positive sort of vision as to what we do at the weekend. Yeah, I mean Klopp speaking today, and obviously I'm sure that when he was coming out with these words at his press conference, he was buzzing about this hundred million pound transfer and all the rest of it. Which we'll wait and see what happens with that, but. He was saying he loved the preseason. We worked hard. He said he enjoyed it a lot. Um, he said the boys were open. We did a lot on the pitch and in meetings as well. We really wanted to learn our game. Um, not again, because it must be different to what we did before, but we wanted to make sure we are really ready to go uh, to the next level in our game together. And then he started talking about this uh, Liverpool FC reloaded, um, which is the kind of little phrase that he's thrown in there today. And you just... Um, Sometimes when I hear that from managers, I get what he's saying, and internally, that's probably a great thing to say to the players. You know, um, let's reset after last year. Let's fix what we did wrong. Let's do more than you know. It's not even like trying to remember what we used to do because what we used to do, maybe everyone's sussed out. Got to do things differently. This is the new Liverpool. Liverpool FC reloaded, but as soon as you come up with stuff like that, um, you kind of like setting yourself up for it to go wrong and for it to be sort of thrown back in your face. But. Um, I don't care, you know. I think we we've got to sort of be like this. We've got to be positive. I think the thing that Klopp brought to us, and we you, it's easy to kind of forget it. But when Brendan Rodgers was manager, we'd like 
and you know we had a high for a bit and then that last season and then that the beginning of the next it was just it was horrendous and the confidence from any of us as fans um, I mean you'd go to a game and you'd be like you'd have literally as soon as the ball was in your half you'd think you're going to concede it, your confidence was just shot and I'm sure the players were the same and what clock came in and changed was just the attitude of the players and helped them to grow the confidence helped them to um, to, to feel like they can win anything and, and beat anyone and time and again we've done that and I just that's what was lost last season I think as much as all the other tactical stuff that's important I just think there was this um that fit, not so much as in, invincibility, but you know, resilient side. We can beat anyone. We've got it in us. We can come back from things. We can take take the initiative. We can win games and win points. We just lost that that belief last season, and it was just it was just um, it was troubling to see. But um, this season, you know, for us, it is a reset, and I think um, Pochettino is not going to have that manager bounce necessarily because that tends to happen. When a player's, you know, new managers come in on the Monday to training, and by the Saturday, everyone's had a kick up the arse and they're ready to actually start playing better than they did for the boss that's just been sacked. And, you know, that can sometimes not even last uh, more than a game. But I don't think there's that side to it. I don't think it's even necessarily enough of the same squad. It's going to be wherever he's he's put together. Um, so I'm confident. It's just, um, I still think that Liverpool on the day can beat just about anybody, but we'll wait and see. But when you were naming the players then as well, apart from the back four, which we know we're sort of down to the bare bones, if we're honest with ourselves, with the back four in terms of cover and everything. And as you say, even in terms of having the right personnel for the, the shape we want to play. But um, up front, we've actually got a decent number. We've got alternatives. If everyone can stay fit, we're going to have players who are like jumping at the bit on the sideline to get on when they're being left out of games because we can't always play them every game and in midfield you know Curtis Jones last season really started coming into his own we've got two new lads to play in midfield as well but there's also Trent Michael in there from time to time um, I mean maybe I don't know maybe it's this glass half full glass half empty I mean apart from the defence I don't know maybe we've been panicking a bit did we um, did we need to sort of worry about bringing in more midfielders that's what you start to think but then of course yes you do because the the thing to remember is last season as well and the season with COVID it's the injuries that killed us because we had enough plays in the squad if everyone was fit and ready we'd have done much better we we haven't got that cover again at the back have we and even in midfield even with the players you name um, great if all of those players hit the ground running and turn out to be the perfect combination can't play every game no it's is it a is it Pep saying the, the availability is the best ability and something like that and intensity is our identity so these sort of you know these little sorts of slogans um, and you know we lost the intensity last season like we didn't have the legs to do it in midfield and that goes hand in hand with the availability and injuries and you know you, you look at, at what's gone out the door um, especially in the midfield so you know Oxley, Chamberlain, Naby Keita probably couldn't put half a season together between the pair of them. And then you'd probably throw James Miller in there and what he contributes. So, like, you know, those three players combined probably contribute to one fit player's minutes. But then in what we had in the field in Henderson and Fabinho, they were pretty much, you know, week in, week out starters, game in, game out. And when when the meet of the season comes round after Christmas and you know you're playing for you know trophies and competitions and places and whatever um, the old lads are playing every three or four days and it takes its toll especially on aging legs on, on lads who've put a lot of miles in the clock for us um, so it was inevitable we needed younger legs even if if those two lads had still been at the club we still needed a younger set of legs in the middle of the park to do, you know, the hard lines. Um, you know, Alexis and, and uh, Dominic have come in and give us more of an attacking threat. And if you think of, you know, what we lost in Keaton and Oxley Chain when those two lads were the sort of attacking midfield players that we that we bought with the premise of what they were going to do, and obviously things never turned out for for both lads for one reason or another, mainly again injuries. Um, but when we look at what we've got, you know, we we've got lads in in who we brought in 
20, I think Subos Lion's 22, nearly 23, and Alexis is nearly 25. Trent, I think, is around the 23, 24 mark. So, you know, good age, good good sort of level experience in the game. And, you know, looking at what people would refer to as going into the peaks of the career. Um, but then you've got a complete, you know, massive gap between that and the one old timer that's still knocking about Santiago, who many thought probably would have been the one two goal, but is is the last man standing. Um, also the old guard, and then it's youth. Um, you reference Curtis Jones, who this it, it's probably been tagged many many a time over the past couple of years, but this is genuinely all all or nothing shit or bust for this kid now. Like I think he's twenty two. He's just come off a good Euros with England, and he finished the season strong. But now we've got to see it for for the whole year, like whether he plays, you know, week in week out, or whether he comes in and he plays, you know, a part role, you know, some in the Europa League, some in the league, sort of thing. But you, you want to see all in all forty appearances from Curtis this season in one realm or the other, whether it starts or sub appearances, and you would hope for the majority of them games that it's it's a good level of performance, like we see in the back end of the season. But then it, it's kids. You, you know, Harvey Elliott's still a teenager. Stefan Bastich, teenager. A boy mm. with a man's brain, but not a, but not a man's body yet. Um, and I'm sure I'm, I'm probably missing one or two others, but the, all the others I can think of are, are genuinely boys. Like the likes of McConnell and Bobby Clark in, in pre-season. The, the young boys, like they're not. They're not ready to feature first team. Look what we did to Bastards last season when we, we played them too much and broke them. Um so so we do need we do need someone probably in the age range of twenty to twenty four to, to come in and, and start. And if 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 we're going with Lavia again, who is a teenager, I still think we need probably someone around the twenty seven, twenty eight age who can come in and and just be a bit of a an experienced head and and sort of just manage us through games because you can't expect if, if Lafayette came in even if Caicedo come in who's 21 I think you can't expect him to play you know 50-60 games if we're going to be successful we do we do need more legs and bodies in there and one of experience and one of, of youth would be the ideal blend but you know what, what, what we're doing in this transfer market no one actually knows because it's absolutely mental as we've said yeah, there was um, there was talk, wasn't there, the other day that um, um, that the new director of football, his name escapes me because I'm really bad with names these days. Um, George, George Schmatter. Yeah, I, I was worried to get it completely wrong if I pronounced it wrong, but he, he wasn't he spotted outside the ground with a vape and his phone, um, or, or somewhere away from the pitch having a last minute transfer talk. People were saying, and I, I saw at the time it just feels. I don't know. There was, there was like loads of jokes about when Rick Parry was 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 running the club, and he was basically running the transfers as well, wasn't he? So um, different world back then. And, you know, there was all these talks about him not picking up his mobile, and we missed out on players because he didn't answer his phone because it was out of office hours and and stuff like that. And it was just like the, it probably wasn't true, you know. But it's just the kind of stuff that gets said. Um, the, the football's changed just so much. I mean, Klopp said, was it five six years ago? He said he would never bid a hundred million pound for a player. Can't imagine himself ever playing that for a player and here we are um, but then again everything's gone up hasn't it um, it just feels like I don't know as well this season that maybe maybe things are going to change um, it can't carry on this kind of money just can't carry on but it, I, I think I've been saying that every year for about the last 10 so maybe it will um, there's one one good transfer bit of news as well it's not Liverpool but it sounds like we've finally got rid of Harry Kane from the Premier League um, he's going to go and try his uh, best in Germany to see if he can get loads of free kicks just for you know gust of wind knocking him over or something um, to see whether he gets the same kind of recognition as he does here I get a feeling um, it might not be quite so easy for him over there because I don't think the referees are going to think oh it's it's England's captain Harry Kane I must be lenient with him I think he's going to have um, I'm not saying he's going to do badly but I think he's going to really have a test of, uh, of his abilities he's really going to have to he's going to have to put a lot more into his game isn't he I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want 
whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think you're probably spot on in terms of he's not going to get the cheap free kicks and the fact that he he probably doesn't speak German is is a good good sort of yeah I can't imagine it can you good source of ideas to, to guess that you know he can barely speak English um, <laughs> so so stringing together anything in German is probably going to be well beyond the realm, um, realms of Harry Kane's educational purposes but uh, it's a move that you know he, he's going to win a trophy regardless of you know whatever he does at Bayern Munich the, the chances are Bayern Munich will pick up some sort of silverware and you know the the, the sort of the story that's apparently mapped out is you know he goes to Bayern and he wins a couple of things whether that's you know a couple of league titles or uh, Pokal which is the domestic cup or you know lo and behold that they somehow win a Champions League but I'm just not entirely sure that they're the strongest team in Europe at the moment but he goes there for two years, maybe three, and then he'll, you know, swan song back to the Premier League and, and try and break Big Al's record, um, which he, he probably will because you know he's Harry Kane and he'll he'll get the decisions. But yeah, I think you know the, the old English German source of rivalry. You know, the fact he's England's captain, England's number nine. I think there'll be a lot of you know German natives in defences of the, the teams in the Bundesliga they'd probably think well let, let's see what you really made of let's you know have a little nibble at you and you're not going to get away with that, that sort of thing over here and and then let's see how he handles it you know we, he is going to get chances handed to him on the plate because as we spoke earlier on you know the likes of Sané and Nabry and their team um, are levels above so many of the players and he'll always create chances but yeah I, I don't think he'll have it as easy as as some people make up, but he'll probably still go over there and bang in 20, 25 goals. But yeah, it, it would, it's nice to see the back one because whenever you play Spurs, you're quite confident to get a result, but you've always got him yeah. on the pitch. And, you know, you think back to that mental game last season, I think he, he got one or two in that. Um, you know, and he's, he's just always there. It's, it's, it's that sort of bad smell that you can't sort of mm. can't sort of get away the, the, the shit that won't flush down the toilet he's always there but yeah. you know may, maybe now we've found a, a good good level of bleach and he's going down the pan for the for a couple of years but you know good, good luck to and yeah I can't imagine he'd be doing many many interviews with the locals put it that way no no um, you know good yeah as you say good rid I mean good luck to him um, he enjoys it over there um, and I feel sorry for anyone who does follow uh, well, I suppose it'd be something to laugh at when, if you do follow the Bundesliga, I don't myself, but you know maybe I should. Um, I, pr- I get told I watch too much football already, really. So um, you have to draw the line somewhere. Um, I'll have to work on that. Um, I just seen something as well. I mean, I'd heard that they were struggling, but apparently Chelsea also um, they won't have a share sponsor on Sunday. Um, they've been struggling to get someone to be the main sponsor on the front of the shirts and. Um, apparently they were going to go with Paramount at one point, but the Premier League said no. I mean, Paramount Plus is doing all kinds of sports sponsorship at the minute because obviously it's a worldwide brand name. Um, one of the worst apps going, even if the content's okay, but the app itself's awful. Um, but apparently the Premier League didn't want them to have that because it might upset uh, Sky and TNT and <laughs> BT and Alcold and all the others. So that went out the window. Um, and... This is another bizarre thing about if it's true that they were talking with Stake, which is a betting company, 
um, who sponsored Everton and Watford in the past, but um, the supporters apparently voiced their op- opposition to it. They didn't want to be sponsored by a gambling firm, so that is great. I'm glad to hear it, but I'm just surprised Chelsea fans have objected to it because they don't seem to they seem to turn a blind eye to a lot of stuff, don't you? So it's just just a bit odd. But um, so that's Chelsea, no sponsors on the shirt on Sunday. But of course, Everton. Um, I've not heard much about them other than I nearly fell off the seat this morning. Almost more surprised than Liverpool breaking the transfer record with that bid. Um, apparently, Chelsea, uh, Everton have paid fifteen million to sign someone. I need to check. I've actually seen this, and I've not actually just imagined it. Um, Everton in the transfer market. Yeah, they've signed some kid sport in Lisbon. Um, or is a sporting club the Portugal? Is it? As the like the proper name. Uh, the, do apologise for any Portuguese, um, <laughs> any Portuguese listeners there, but I I won't try and butcher his name because I don't know it. Um, but he's nineteen. I think off the top of my head, he scored four goals in thirty something games last season. So probably yeah, probably is Everton standard. Um, you know, probably fits the bill perfect for them. But fifteen million quid is a, is a lot of money for them. Um, for the team who's skint anyway and yeah. I don't know if he's gone yet but apparently Damari Gray was going to Fulham um, something around 7 or 8 million and I think they paid 1.5 million and we spoke about that last week as well um, you know I don't I don't know where we are with transfers I've been on a holiday for the week up in the Lake District so signal isn't great at the best of times and you know, with everything that goes on, it's as we said, it's just about hard enough keeping up with what Liverpool are doing, never mind anyone else. But maybe Everton are spending cash that's going to come in, or maybe you know they're borrowing things on a never never. Um, but apparently that they're still under investigation, as are Man City, and as will be soon Chelsea. But for what financial fair play is worth, you know, you, you might as well write on the back of a cigarette packet and. You know, let it blow down the road in the wind because it's not actually worth anything, is it? In, in reality, of the game it seems like we are the only club who who follow them rules. But I've not not been in where, so I've not spoken to any of the the, the local Blues. <laughs> um, but I, I still think gauge and sort of general feeling from from beforehand that they're not overly positive for the season and. I think you know we, we've said in the past if we think we're short, um, you know that they're they're significantly shorter in terms of of what they've got quality of squad wise. But it it just seems odd. I don't know about yourself that the season starts tomorrow and there's no sort of build up. Well, the season starts tonight and there's no sort of build up. It doesn't feel real that that buzz and excitement of going into a season seems lost. And I don't know if. As we've said in the past, it's this social media thing, and you know, you know, you we can count to like all the Saudis, and they've, they've blown apart the transfer market, and everything's just all money, and which players are, are going for excellent fees. It, it, it's also lost its, its its feel and its its appeal that that the season starts tomorrow. It just feels real, real odd that that that's what's beginning. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I did. Um... I did my fantasy team a couple of weeks ago and I keep meaning to look at it and I know, well, I'm not going to get it changed before the deadline. It's just, it's come all of a sudden. Doesn't, I mean, I think playing the first game on a Friday night kind of takes away some of the build-up as well because it's sort of, it comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Because you think to yourself, the football Saturday, you know, Friday night football isn't a thing we're used to and I'm not against Friday night football necessarily. It just depends on what else is going on. You know, I'm not totally against it, but it just feels weird to start the season on a Friday with one game. You know, I, 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 it's much better, I think, when you play near enough all the games. Even if they're not, you know, there'll be a, a lunchtime kickoff maybe on the Saturday and then all this good few three o'clocks and then an evening kickoff and stuff. And that really gets things going. It just feels a bit, a bit strange to be starting it early. And, and I agree. It's just not, I don't know. I mean, I don't sort of buy a daily paper anymore like I used to do, you know, and that was one of the things that always used to give you the build up as well, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. It's just I agree. It's just the build-up's just not just not been there. It's just not been in my face. It's um, and maybe as well. I mean, to some extent. I mean, like you said, you've not really kept up with the transfer window because you've been away and there's been bad signal and all the rest of it. But I think you know, in, in other summers, maybe 
maybe I know with me, I would have fought much harder to find some signal to keep up with the transfer window stuff. Whereas now, I just feel like I'm. There's no point getting too excited. Just wait and see what happens. You know, get d- deal with it when it's actually done, rather than deal with what might or might not happen, and you end up sort of zoning out. But I don't know the excitement's not. But I think you kind of, um, you know, whatever it is that, however you watch football, whether you go to a game, whether you watch it on TV in pub or at home or with mates or wherever. You know, however you enjoy the game, I think once 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 you're back, once that routine's there again, you know that in that first sight of the ground, if you go in the game or you know you first walking back in the pub and maybe seeing people you've not seen since last May and things like that, when all that sort of kicks off, you get it back, you get the buzz back. Um, but I know I agree um, that sort of there hasn't been any of the sort of big sort of TV ads and things, but maybe because of streaming, we don't see the TV ads. There just hasn't been that build up. You're right and. Um, I think football is relying now on people who who've been through it before just remembering that and and getting into it and I think you know once that game kicks off you forget everything else don't you it's all about the match itself and that's the bit I'm looking forward to more than anything um just just the football just literally kick off 90 minutes um or more because um apparently there's going to be some changes to the way time wasting is dealt with this season but I looked into it and Maybe I've missed something, but the only thing they seem to be doing is allowing the referee to add some time on for goal celebrations, which I kind of thought they were meant to do a little bit of that anyway. You know, they sort of had to make an allowance for every goal, but apparently they're going to be able to add time on for goal celebrations, so we could have um, a few more seasons, a few more games where instead of the automatic four minutes at the end of the game, that just seems to automatically be added to just about any game, we might see a few more of those nine, ten, eleven ones. Um, I don't I did see actually you know, that. Did see because last last Saturday, um, you know, I, amongst all the, the signal issues I had, I did manage to have myself a little a little accumulator, which obviously failed. Um, you know, but it's sort of you know a weekly tradition when the football season's on, you'd have a couple of pound on it on an accumulator, then you know you, you might get one or two up over the season. The chances are you probably don't win much, but you know it's it's a little bit of interest, especially if you know. Like this weekend, our game is Sunday, so yeah, you know if if on a Saturday afternoon you you, you like to you know not condone and betting on any sort of thing, and you know you gamble within your means if you want to do it. So, but you know a couple of pounds on on accumulator and I see how it was. But I remember checking my phone um, because uh, I was I was at a pub and managed to get Wi-Fi, and it was like five past five, and three of the games were still playing. Mm-hmm. Within like added time, like a hundred and two minutes, and I was like. Something put on here, and then it clicked. This, you know, what I would call it World Cup injury time, because that's yeah. when we first sort of seen it. When you know the the sort of essence of stopping the clock when when the ball was dead uh, and having the time at the end. Of, and I'm all for that because you know there was times last season and Newcastle and Brentford strike me in the face as the most obvious ones when Newcastle came to Anfield and were quite happy to pay for the draw from the first minute. And then Fabio Carvalho, that 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 lad we signed last year, who's now roaming around somewhere in Leipzig, um, you know, popped up in the ninety seventh minute because the minimum of the six minutes at the time was elapsed. However, during that six minutes, Newcastle decided they wanted the time waste even more, than the referee, within his rights, added on, you know, the, the required time that he thought was was needed, and lo and behold, we scored a winner. And then I remember Brentford. Um, coming to our field I want to say somewhere around like February, March time and every set piece whether it was a throw in whether it was a free kick whether it was a corner they must have wasted the best part of 45 seconds to a minute whether it was changing the taker whether it was shuffling around formations whether you know it was a if it was a free kick that was maybe you know 40-50 yards from goal just inside our half and you know one centre half would maybe go up and then a left back would go to take and all of a sudden the right back would be trotting across the pitch because he wants to take it to change the angle and so on and you get to the end of the half and it's a minimum of one minute a half time the standard one minute and then you get to the as you say the, the end of the, the second half and it's a, maybe a minimum of three or four minutes even though you've had four or five sub changes a couple of goals and it's meant to be at least 30 seconds per sub so in this day and age when you're allowed five subs if you think most teams would make three or four subs 
um, each. Yeah. You know, you, you, you're at the minimum of four minutes there, roughly, maybe five. Um, a goal or two thrown in there, you know, you're looking at minimum six to seven minutes at least if you, if you were to go under the required rules and regulations. But I, I'm all for it because it would, in theory, it would it would promote more positive play. It would it would try and stop these teams from being negative. And you know, some people might look at it and say, "Well, you know, we'll we'll carry on time wasting and hold out and hold out and hold out." But we said earlier on that the attacking players at Liverpool have got if we're if we're drawing the game and the board goes up around field and they say it's going to be a minimum of nine minutes or ten minutes you know and, and you look at the bench and you could maybe go right well we'll, we'll lash on Darwin Nunes because we go well, one last roll with the dice sorts of thing or we'll lash on you know Jotter or someone like that if we haven't used them at this point and you think well ten more minutes at Anfield for the team to hold out we would always fancy our chances and you know it, it will play into the hands of teams who who want to try and win games I think and, and go against those who you know not anti-football but are, are bending the rules of, of sportsmanship a bit more than, than what they should so I'm all for it and hopefully the referees have got enough backbone about them that they'll they'll carry on with this across the season it won't just be first four, five, six weeks and you know, we'll slide back into old habits because that's what usually happens when the new initiatives come out that they'll last for a few weeks. I think the new one as well is you can't crowd the referee and, you know, I think it's, if if the referees are given too much sort of heat, then, then yellow cards are going to be more frivolous and, you know, only the captains, of which we have a new one as well, is is allowed to speak to the refs and, you know, even then they probably got to write a letter and ask them in nice words if they can if they can have a conversation. But yeah, put everybody yeah. through the lawyers first, only make sure they've not used like a slightly insulting word or something. You know? Yeah, and of which um, we, we've got Andy Taylor at the weekend. You know, mm. good old good old Tony. Yeah, uh, good old Tony from from the Greater Manchester region. I do believe is uh, in charge of our game. Uh, I I did see somewhere the the VAR official um, was was one of the other clowns, but. Um, I, I can't remember which one it was. Oh God, yeah, you know that's what. Yeah, with that, it's been great, hasn't it? Three months without having to mention a referee. Um, apart from the one on Ted Lasso, I'm not going to give that away in case people haven't watched it. There's a no, I haven't watched it. Please, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a famous referee appears in a little cameo at some point. That's all I need to say, um, and I won't give any more away than that. I said to good keep watching. Um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been uh, it's been too long, hasn't it? It's been too long. Um, I think. All this stuff about time wasting and stuff like that. I mean, he still gets down to. Um, I mean, the other, the other thing, just quickly, that I was going to say actually was um, when when FIFA brought in the rule that you couldn't waste time, so players had to go off the pitch. And I mean, it was just one World Cup where they were basically throwing them in the back of a golf cart when they were into you just to get them off the pitch as quick as possible. It's been a problem with football for years trying to handle time wasting. Um, some clubs just love to do it because it's what what helps them. Some teams just know is how to kill a game off and how to. You know, take away another team's momentum, but um, I'm sure someday or other we'll come up with an answer. But um, just for now, then I think let's be brave. Let's do some predictions for the season. Um, putting you right on the spot, and obviously we've got no way of knowing. But what do you reckon for Liverpool? Would you, you know, what go with your heart, go with your head, go with both? What position are you going to say Liverpool could finish in this season? And if they don't win the league, who will it be? If they don't win the league, it'll be City. Um, <laughs> It's as simple as that. Um, I don't really see anyone else challenging them um, beyond, beyond possibly us. If we get if we get the right players in, and the, the key word there is players, um, you know, we, we need we need two minimum, ideally three. Um, you know, I, I would have been happy had we got this Caicedo kid over the line and got another another piece and in the back line, which we we mentioned. I would have felt very confident in giving in City a good run for the money. As it stands, I think we probably need a couple in midfield, and, and we still need that one to back. We're not going to get that done realistically, and um, we might get one or two of them. So for that, um, I'm going to predict our highest hopes of being second. What I would like to see is at least scoop up one trophy, um, ideally the Europa League. Um, 
you know, a European trophy is always wants to be celebrated. It's one that Klopp hasn't won under his Liverpool tenureship. Yeah, he got to the final, as we, we know, in the first season. But um, I, I would like to see us, you know, compete for that. Um, a trip to Wembley wouldn't be wouldn't be sniffed at, but you know, get 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 back into the the big big time competition the following year and and the European uh, final and, and trophy would do me very nicely. Yeah, I, I, I'm confident as well. I think um, I think top four would be back for us. I think personally, I think we're going to be kind of um, top four, but just about scraping into third. I don't know. I've just got that feeling. I'm not really sure who that'd be ahead of us though, other than City. And I think I'm, I'm with you. I can't see anyone really catching up to them. Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe someone will come out. But, um, you know, I, f- I feel even Arsenal kind of maybe punched above the weight a bit last season with, with the, the good season they had and the way you sort of tailed off for them. Um, I might be wrong, but I just don't feel like maybe they're going to be the team that's challenging. So um, I'm going to say third, but, you know, I'd love it to be second and even more. I'd love it to be first. And again, yeah, same as you. I'd love us to get that Europa League one and then never have to play in it again for a long time. Um, but it'd be good to win it while while we're in it. And just because to get winning games again and enjoying every game, because the thing is, right now, start of the season, all these games to come, 38 league games, however many cup games, all good things ahead of us. Um, but each game that comes has to be enjoyable. And that's that's the thing you can kind of sometimes forget when you're so focused on, on the end result list. So I just hope that every game this season that we really enjoy, the vast majority of them, that the referees don't spoil them, that whoever we sign or don't sign, we've got a great team in front of us. Um, and that, you know, just come on you Reds, and as we always do. Um, but for us, that's it for now. We will be back really soon, and we'll be able to talk about a match. But again, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks to Jay, and we will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.